Tonight, God's Word comes to us from Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. We are going to begin our reading at verse 2 and then read through verse 9 of this chapter. Philippians 4, beginning at verse 2, what we hear now is God's Word. I entreat Euodia, and I entreat Syntyche, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, we are coming uh, near the end of this series of sermons on Paul's letter to Philippi. I believe we will have just one more sermon uh, to conclude this series. I hope that by now, uh, if I asked you, uh, tell me a little bit about the book of Philippians, you would have some things you could say. You would say that it is a book that is really made up of two parts uh, the first two chapters focusing on the call to unity in the church. And the last two chapters focusing on our joy in the Lord. Now certainly these things overlap with each other. In fact, we see that in our text tonight. It begins with this call to unity. I entreat Euodia, I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord Ask, help these women who have labored side by side, that call to unity. We saw that throughout the book, there has been this call to, to joy in the Lord, rejoicing in God. Already back in chapter 1, we began in chapter 1, verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul's joy over this church. Again from chapter 1 verse 18, only then in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. Paul's joy in the proclamation of the gospel. From chapter 2 verse 17, we read there, even if I'm poured out, 
as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. When Paul makes the transition in chapter 3, verse 1, finally, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And he says that once again in our text tonight, chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say rejoice. Joy in the life of the believer. Joy in our walk with God. Rejoicing and joy should be the character of the believer's walk. Now, some would say, look, you can't command joy you can't command joy paul would disagree he says very clearly rejoice rejoice in the lord because because paul knows what we need to know and that is our joy is not based on our circumstances but our joy is based on the God who controls our circumstances. Our joy is not based on our circumstances. Our joy is based on the God who controls our circumstances. And so then, even in times of hardship, we can rejoice because we know God. Paul is coming to the end of his letter, as is very typical. He begins to become very practical as this letter draws to a close. And he will give instructions to the church, explaining to them what it is to rejoice in the Lord. He's going to give them three, three keys to this type of joyful living. He's going to talk about their prayers. He's going to talk about their thoughts. He's going to talk about their actions. That in these three ways, they may rejoice in the Lord. He says, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious. Anxiety is the enemy of joy. Anxiety robs us of our joy. And an unnecessary worry about things beyond our control. Now certainly it is okay to be mindful of our circumstances. Mindful what's going on in the world around us. He's not saying here simply live in a blissful ignorance. Live in a fog all your life. But he's saying don't be anxious don't unnecessarily worry about things that are beyond your control anyway. Do not be anxious about anything. Fearful that perhaps God is unable to take care of us. Fearful as I consider my activities for this upcoming week or plans I have for the month or plans I have for the year. Worried about them. Thinking that somehow God might fail me along the way. We read earlier from Psalm 66. 
a psalm about God's work in the life of his people Israel. Can you imagine, children, the Israelites, when they were brought out of Egypt and God brings them out of captivity and they travel and they find themselves at the edge of this huge body of water and the Egyptian armies coming from behind them. The anxiety that would overtake them, feeling that somehow God had failed them. But God, God was not limited in what he would do, and he miraculously brought them through that water on dry ground. Our anxiety, thinking that perhaps God might fail us, when it's so easy for us to get, his power is beyond our imagination. We have concerns in our lives. We have financial concerns, concerns of how we're going to pay the rent this month, how we're going to pay our Christian school bill, how we're going to live in retirement, worries, concerns, feeling that perhaps God might, might forsake us at some point. We have concerns about our families, concerns about our children, concerns about our parents, concerns about our brothers and sisters. It's so easy to become anxious about these things, concerns over the future. And what does Paul say? Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about any, anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Prayer with thanksgiving. This is the antidote to anxiety. Prayers with thanksgiving. Now that, that's more than just saying, uh, thank you for this food, thank you for this house, thank you for this church. It is being mindful. Thanksgiving is being mindful. Recognizing how God has continually provided for us in the past. If we are anxious about whether we're going to have food for tomorrow, we remind ourselves that he gave us food today, he gave us food yesterday, he gave us food last week, he gave us food last month, he gave us food last year. God has continually provided. And thankfulness is calling to mind his ongoing provision. When we have challenges in life, when, uh, when the car breaks down and how are we going to get it fixed, when the, the heating or the cooling in our house doesn't work, what about all these things? We pray with thanksgiving, reminding ourselves that our God holds all the shares of all creation and that God is our Father and as Father, He will provide for us His children. To remember with thanksgiving is to recall what God has done. We, we, we're concerned about our kids. And then we remember that God has included our children in his covenant. They are a part of his people. They are his children. And as much as we love them, God loves them more. And he will watch over and provide for them as a loving father. Anxiety is driven out by thankful prayer. 
by prayer that recalls what God has done in the past so that we can have great hope and confidence for the future. What does Paul say? Do not be anxious about anything, but with everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And what's the result? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we pray these prayers of thanksgiving, calling to mind what God has done in the past, what is the result? We have the peace of God. A peace which surpasses understanding. Paul doesn't say, when you pray like this, your circumstances are going to change. He doesn't say that. We still may find challenges around us, but God God removes the anxiety. God gives us peace when we know that we can rest in Him and rest in what He does. A, a, a peace that surpasses understanding. People would say, why, are you, why aren't you worried? Look at what's going on. Because my, my joy is not based on my circumstances, but on the God who controls my circumstances. Paul says this peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. And the word he uses there is literally the word for a guard, one who stands as a sentry. That peace of God will stand to guard your heart, to guard your mind, that you may rest in what God has done. And so Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always again I will say rejoice because my joy is not based on the circumstance I find myself in my joy is based on the God in control of those circumstances Paul goes on in verse 8 finally brothers whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is commendable if there is anything of excellence if there is anything worthy of praise think about these things how do we rejoice in the lord it is through praiseworthy thoughts and and what's interesting is again the the words Paul chooses to use here whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable these are not particularly Christian terms Paul does not here give us the fruit of the Spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness he doesn't give us that he he gives us terms we might say from the world these are terms that the pagan ethicists, the pagan moralists would use and say this is a good way to live. Things that are honorable, things that are just, things that are pure. To remind ourselves that we do live in the world and we live in a fallen world. But we need not be overwhelmed by the world. We have to look to think about the things that are beautiful around us in the world as the world's truth reflects God's truth we can see the beauty Paul says think about these things even in the fallenness of the world around us you know some people have the knack 
of no matter how good things are, no matter how well things are going, they can find something wrong. Well, well, things are fine now, but what about tomorrow? You, you know people like this. They can always find the dark side of any sunny day. Paul says, yeah, we recognize we live in fallenness. But we don't have to dwell in that fallenness. Look for the beauty in the world God has given. And, and think about those things. He talked in our last section about our citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven. And so, so don't dwell on the base things of the earth. But think about these more noble things. We have to ask ourselves, what occupies our minds? What do we dwell on? What do we fill our minds with? We remind ourselves that our God is in control. He is working his purposes out. And so even the things that we put into our minds are not to be the base things of earth, but those things which are honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent. What's on our reading list? Are we reading those things that will, will help us to see the beauty of God in the world around us? What do we watch on the television? What are, what are our internet searches? Are we always looking for the negative side of things? God says, think about these praiseworthy thoughts. The joy of the Lord that we have, even in a fallen world. Fill our minds, not with these base things, but fill our minds, to be sure, with the word of God. Fill our minds with, with what he has given to us. That we can begin to see even amidst the fallenness, God is still at work. God is still caring for his creation. Think about these things and rejoice in the Lord because our joy is not based on our circumstances but on the God who controls our circumstances. Thankful prayer, praiseworthy thoughts, and then in verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Practice these things. Make them a part of your life. This is how we are to live. We are to live in the joy of the Lord. And so... If we find ourselves lacking joy in our life, one of the questions we have to ask ourselves is, am I living in a way that is pleasing to God? Or are there things that I am doing, sins I am harboring, which are unconfessed and unrepented of? These things will rob us of our joy. If we are living in disobedience to God, we don't expect the joy of the Lord to be in our hearts. No, God calls us, even tonight, if you find yourself riddled with anxiety over the future, one of the questions at least you must ask is, am I right now living in a way that is pleasing to God? And if I am not, tonight is the night for confession. Tonight is the night to acknowledge our sin. Tonight is the night to embrace Jesus Christ. 
and know what he has done for us. Know the joy of salvation, the joy of, of finding our rest in him. Rest from the fears, rest from the tension, rest from the stress and the anxiety. What you have learned and received and heard and seen, practice these things. Do what you know, Paul says. Live in the way you know you should live. The, the path of obedience is not hidden to us. God hasn't made it difficult to know what he expects. It is not a lack of our knowing that robs us of our joy. It is a lack of our doing. When we choose to go our own way, reject the ways of God, and walk down our own path. What you have learned, what you have received, what you have heard in me, practice these things. And again, Paul is not bragging about his life. As he says in 1 Corinthians, reflect me as I reflect Christ. Christ-like actions. Christ-like obedience. What was Christ's joy? Christ's joy was doing the will of his Father. Christ's joy was doing what God had sent him to do. It was, it was a joy in, in bringing glory to God through his actions. More than just thinking, it was doing. And the same must be the case for us. That we pray that God would work in us by the power of his spirit. Left to ourselves, we can't do anything at all. But that God would work in us. Those who know Jesus Christ as Savior, the spirit of God dwells within his people. And we are then to live in a way. Put these things in practice. Because our joy is not based on our circumstances. Our joy is based on the God who controls our circumstances. What are the results when we live this way? What does Paul say? What you've learned, received, heard, and seen, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Notice the subtle change that Paul makes. Back in verse 7, when talking about prayer, if we have thankful prayer, the result is the peace of God guards us. When we put these things into practice, it is not the peace of God, it is the God of peace who is with us. God himself dwelling with his people. God himself leading and guiding. God himself by the power of his spirit walking with us every day of our lives. And so we can rejoice Rejoice in who God is. Rejoice in what he has done. Rejoice that we belong to him. Paul gives the command. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Because he knows our joy is not based on our circumstances. It's based on the God who controls our circumstances. He calls us to thankful prayer, remembering what God has done. He calls us to praiseworthy thoughts, even in the midst of a fallen world, to find the beauty of God in creation. And he calls us to Christ-like actions, 
a desire, a willingness to live in the way God has called us. And in all of these things, to bring God the praise and the glory, to rejoice in him, we will say it again, rejoice. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we know that in our lives we face trials, we face challenges, we face stress and we face anxiety and it's so easy for us to try to face that in our own wisdom and in our own strength. But you've revealed yourself to us. You've revealed the way of peace in your word. You've revealed the way of joy. Help us, O oh God, to rejoice in you today and to rejoice in you always. Make us truly thankful, mindful of your ongoing care over us in the past. Help us, O oh God, to focus not on all the negative things we see around us. Oh, there are so many things. But to see beauty and to see truth, your truth, even in a fallen world. And strengthen us, O oh God, by the power of your Spirit, that our actions might be those which are pleasing to you and lead us on the path of joy. Hear our prayer, O oh God, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's turn to 528 in the Trinity Psalter hymnal. 528, rejoice ye pure in heart, rejoice, give thanks and sing. Your festal banner wave on high, the cross of Christ your King. We're going to sing verses 1, 2, and 3, and then verse 6. Verses 1, 2, and 3, and verse 6 of 528. Let's stand together as we sing.
Receive the parting blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.